Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 40, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Torrential Downpour Warning. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode, anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. It's weird. This feels like the end of Stone Ocean, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It only feels that way because we have no clue what's going on with any episodes beyond this episode 12. Well, we know for sure that we've reached the conclusion of a 20-minute arc. A 20-minute arc? Operation Savage Garden. Oh, yes. It's supposed to be within the time span of 20 minutes. So, But wow. it lasted three full episodes. Right. <laughs> 60 minutes in our real time, but... 20 minutes in JoJo time. Gotta love JoJo logic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. Still no update on the next release date for the Netflix um, airing of Stone Ocean. I believe the Japan broadcast is on episode eight this week, which is mm-hmm. Foo Fighters. So just a couple behind us. But I don't know, man. I haven't heard anything. Have you heard anything? No, but it seems like the Japan broadcast is going to sync with that announcement that jojo announcement that's supposed to happen at anime japan um that's later in march right yeah i believe it was like i remember the 26th if i'm remembering correctly i know we mentioned it before on this podcast but yeah basically late march well fingers crossed that we actually do get some more information because yeah, I don't know. This feels weird. It shouldn't feel like we're concluding anything. Um, although I think it is the conclusion of a major part of Stone Ocean um, because we get we get some of those clues, you know, like we get like post credit scene, we get some sound effects, all of that fun stuff. But before we get into all of that, we'll save that for for the main discussion here. Um, but we do want to share some uh, some exciting updates on our end. Most importantly, we want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to our newest patron, Jasmine M. Welcome to our patron community. Thank you so much for supporting us. We seriously appreciate it. It means the world to us. Yes, thank you, Jasmine, for becoming a part of our Patreon family. Your support alone makes you 10 times more righteous than Poochie Gang himself. (laughs) And if you'd like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes or our pre-show where we talk about anything and everything that comes to mind before we start recording, um, our show schedule, if you want to know ahead of time, you know, the the next month out, what we're going to be talking about on Strictly JoJo and Strictly Anime, Um, if you want to submit questions for us to answer on the podcast, and in our patron-only Q&A, all that fun stuff, then head over to patreon.com slash series. The link is also in the description. And in other exciting news, we were recently guests on Otaku Host Club podcast. Yeah, that was quite a fun time. Um, we were, I think it was like their Valentine um, episode. It came out a little, a couple days after Valentine's Day. Like but, a week or so after. Yeah. But it, it was episode 73, and we talked about Video Girl Eye, which is a 90s anime, like rom-com anime that I have never heard of before. Same here. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed it when we watched it. Um, it's it's campy. You know, it's, it's not as clean and buttoned up as anime is nowadays, but it is 30 years old. But I think the, the biggest takeaway for us was that rom-com anime has not changed in 30 years it was the same formula the same tropes everything that you expect from rom-coms nowadays but 30 years ago 
And I just particularly enjoyed it because I love the the '90s nostalgic look of the anime, um, and I, I I'm just a huge fan of anything '80s and '90s. Um, I guess case in point, JoJo with Stardust, there you go. <laughs> Stardust Crusaders, um, and also just the the OP uh, for Video Girl I. It's such a vibe. It's it's such a '90s nostalgic vibe. And I added it immediately to the Spotify playlist. And I think that kind of just heightened my enjoyment of watching the OVA. But yeah, for those of you who have watched it or are curious, definitely check out the discussion over at Otaku Host Club. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, We're really glad that they invited us on. We talked about a lot of interesting things, um, including your your potential rap career. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my very short-lived rap career i guess (laughs) but yeah that is episode 73 of otaku host club podcast about video girl i go check it out it was a lot of fun and i know you have some actual jojo news to share but before we mention that really quick i know we've been talking about spotify and their new podcast rating system um i guess spotify has also implemented a bell icon thing for all of their podcasts what is this youtube yeah i was gonna say just like (laughs) youtube if you're familiar with you know hitting the bell icon to be notified about new youtube videos coming out you can do the same thing on spotify now i haven't heard anything i just happened to go on spotify under podcasts and then i saw it there so if you'd like to be notified anytime a new Strictly JoJo episode comes out, then go to our main page on the iOS or Android app. Similar to if you were to go and leave us a rating, I believe it's right next to the rating button. It's like a little bell icon. You just tap that and then you'll be notified every time our new episodes come out. So yeah, that's helpful. Fun fun thing I wanted to share, you know, in case you weren't aware. It's actually next to the follow button, or if you're already following us, oh. it would say following, and yeah, there's a little bell icon. Thank you. I stand corrected. Next to the following buttons. Yes, you'll see it there alongside other, you know, fun bells and whistles on there. No pun intended. <laughs> so as Courtney mentioned earlier, there's still not much news in terms of Stone Ocean and a release for the next part. But there is still JoJo news nonetheless, um, kind of similar with the, the collaboration with Lawson um, that we discussed a couple weeks back. It looks like Tower Records Cafe, which I believe is located in Shibuya in Tokyo, is doing a collaboration with the Stone Ocean, uh, I guess, promotion, with having a Stone Ocean promotional campaign where they will have uh, limited time menus drawing inspiration from the characters. I'm looking at a, an article um, from the website Silicon Era. Um, so yeah, they'll have special drinks, special food items, and it looks like they'll also be selling special merchandise. Um, some of the things that I see in this article, there's stone-free omurice, which is, uh, what, an omelet over over rice Um, and there's a picture of what the food item looks like it has Jolene's butterfly tattoo with it looks like stone freeze threads kind of spread over the actual omelet Um, looks very delicious Uh, what else do they have 
this prison food tray is yeah. so funny. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, that's the Green Dolphin Street Prison Cafeteria menu. And you even get the half banana like in the episode. And milk. Dude, look at the milk in the corner. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, who would love to pay, what, this is 15.80 yen, so like 15 bucks for prison food. <laughs> but I guess you're paying for the experience, right? Um, there's the Foo Fighters playing catch sandwich, which is looks like a, a katsu patty. Yeah, that um, one's honestly that one's kind of lackluster. It's yeah. literally just a patty, and they used ketchup. It looks like ketchup to make it look like a baseball. Like that one, eh, that one's less exciting. <laughs> but what is exciting is the fucking weather report. I don't even oh, know what this is. Yeah. It's like a dessert of some sort, and it looks like they used white cotton candy to mimic his hat, and then they put the little horns yeah, in at the top. Like, that is um, so fucking cool. Looks like there's like fruit punch within the bowl itself. But yeah, they topped it with <laughs> the cotton candy to kind of look like his. His poofy hat. I love it. I would go just to eat that. That's cool. Yeah. So we'll probably share this article on the Discord for anyone who wants to look at it. Um, I think they also have a link to the Japanese page um, for Tower Records that has more info on the collaboration. And you can see a lot more photos of the food and drink items on there if you're curious. Um, I guess some of the merchandise you can purchase as well. They have... Acrylic stands with some of the characters that appear in Stone Ocean. Um, looks like a folder, a clear folder. Yeah, a clear file. They love their fucking clear files for some reason. Yeah, folders and notebooks, I, I've noticed. I <laughs> find love it in Japan. I find it interesting that Anasui is on here along with his stand. And maybe that's because they recently revealed his in his stands um character designs well we've already seen honestly but the but his stands character design um because i figure that's maybe kind of a spoiler but mm. maybe since this is opening in march and hopefully we're going to get more episodes in march the timing is like okay enough but yeah that's that's odd also wait okay wait weather reports stand is here but we haven't actually seen the stand have we Oh. Don't look. It's a spoiler no. for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the acrylic stands, so just divert your eyes from that. <laughs> yeah, what <laughs> the fuck? That's like... If you look at the merchandise pictures. That's definitely a spoiler. That His stand hasn't actually manifested itself yet, so oops. Um, and then another thing I was looking at on the second page of merch, I love... I mean, I personally wouldn't get it because I don't know where I'd put it. You know what? Fuck it. I would get it. The tapestries in the lower right-hand corner... Yeah. I kind of appreciate that because I, I think the idea is to hang them both up. I appreciate that they kept Jolene and Jotaro to scale. Like they made Jolene shorter than Jotaro. Mm. That's pretty cool because I figured, you know, they would have filled the whole thing um, even if it means that they're technically both the same height. But I think, again, like the idea here is you hang them up next to each other and so you can see them in their actual like their actual well, height. Well, I'd probably only buy Daddy Jotaro and just hang it, uh, <laughs> hang it above my part of the bed. Oh my god! And you can worship it every night before you go to sleep. Yeah, kind of pray to it. Um, although the the price tag for it seventy seven hundred yen, which is about seventy seven bucks. I was like, man. There, maybe it's a big tapestry. I don't know. The hoodie is pretty expensive seventy seventy dollars for a hoodie. Yeah, that's uh that's pricey. But yeah, I, whatever. I'd spend the money. It's JoJo. Yeah, so for any of our listeners who are fortunate enough to live in Japan, the Tower Records Cafe collaboration event with Stone Ocean will begin on March 2nd and end on March 20. Uh, so that gives you like a little over, a little under 20 day time frame 
to enjoy these treats and to purchase this merchandise. So enjoy while we here uh, stateside kind of just have to watch and enjoy from a distance. <laughs> and yeah, we'll like we said, we'll drop that link in the Discord so that you guys can see the article and all of the fun stuff that we're mentioning. Um, if you're not part of our Discord, the link is in the description so you can join and see the article as well. So let's jump into it. What did you think about the quote-unquote final episode of Stone Ocean that we have available to us anyway, um, episode 12? Um, if you think about it, not much happened besides the, the strange weather occurrence. Um, <laughs> and it was the the ultimate delivery of, was it the Star Platinum Disc to Savage Garden? But it was still a pretty tense moment. Uh, I think the th one thing I took away from it is the pretty big reveal that Dio is technically back, although it's it's more of a flashback. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'd never read through the entirety of the part six manga, so I thought you know, Dio was one and done as we had expected back in Stardust Crusaders. But I think with Pucci's flashback here, it's implied that he is on track to possibly make a comeback. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, Dio constantly says the Joe Stars are a thorn in his side all the time, no matter what. It kind of goes both ways. Dio is also a thorn in the Joe Stars side, even after his passing, it seems like. Mm -hmm. um, years go by, and he is still the driving force behind why the Joe Stars are constantly at risk and constantly being attacked by enemy stand users. So, Although, I would say, like, part four, you don't really deal with deal that much but i and maybe think, part five but you know giorno's uh, bloodline but there is still some tie in part four i believe the whole like concept of the stand arrows um that ties back to dio oh right yeah. and like the well the witch lady was in part three but like there is some some tie in there definitely not as much as other parts um part part five is kind of like an iffy tie-in i guess but it's because giorno is his half son <laughs> yeah and i guess the like special streaming events were a bit spoilery to this information because they kind of marketed part six as you know, like the final battle between uh the joestar lineage and dio and after i heard that i was like well oh like oops <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i guess now we have visual confirmation that Dio is back in the story of JoJo's Bizarre, uh, Bizarre Adventure, at least in flashback form for now. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about this, this like final episode of this arc, is that to your point, like nothing really happens, and Jolene's barely in it when you think about it. This is a Poochie episode. Yeah, like let's be honest, this is a Poochie episode. He he steals the show in this episode, and. I think it's just a great way for us to get to better understand him as the the main villain of the story. And I definitely get Yoshikage Yoshikage Kira vibes from mm -hmm. from Pucci, which I'll I'll mention a little bit later. With that all said, let's go ahead and grab some umbrellas as we head into part six, episode twelve, Torrential Downpour Warning. With the power of God and anime on his side, Poochigang lets Jolene slip by towards the courtyard in her virtuous mission to save Daddy Jotaro and keeps his white snake alter ego under wraps. 
but has a guard under his control, put some click-clack into our juvenile Jojo's stomach to allow him a trip down memory lane into the wild and wacky era of the 1980s. In the flashback, we learn that Poochie Gang had an audience with Jojo enemy number one, Dio, who found a way to heaven faster than Brian Adams, DJ Sammy, and Los Lonely Boys combined, and wrote the directions in a notebook that Daddy Jotaro grilled to a crisp after his crusader crackdown in Cairo against his cursed contender. And thus, Poochie Gang seeks to listen to Daddy Jotaro's soul album in order to retrieve the Righteous Roadmap. Back in the present, Weather Report comes to Jolene's rescue once more by sending the second plague of Egypt onto the Floridian Peninsula, a shower of poison dart frogs that takes Jolene's shooter out of commission. As Stone Free sets a tarp ahoy to protect Jolene from Froppy's poisonous pets, Poochie Gang protects himself with prime numbers and prison guards before sending White Snake to apprehend Jolene and Daddy Jotaro's Star Platinum Certified Disc. Jolene Smackledorfs the stand by whipping the disc away from it with her thread and delivers it to Savage Garden, who turns out to be a carrier pigeon for the Speed Waifu Foundation. Seriously, you're a multi-million dollar private foundation with the technology and resources to address numerous global issues, but all you send is a fucking flying rat to help a member of the Joestar lineage? Robert E.O. Speed Waifu must be having a sheer heart attack in his grave. Anyway, with his fission mailed, Fujigang withdraws White Snake before Jolene can discover the identity of its unholy user, and in a post-credit scene, summons a new member of his crony crew, Sport Max, to give him a bone. Not the dirty, raunchy kind of bone, though. A bone from Dio, which I guess is still kind of dirty and raunchy. And now on to our next segment of the show, is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. There is only one fashion reference in this episode, and it comes at the very end in the post-credits scene where we get a glimpse of Sports Max, or I think the localized translation refers to him as Sports Maximum. But... This character is a reference to Sport Max, a brand of the Max Mara Italian fashion line that evokes a sense of contemporary femininity. So that's how we will conclude part one of Stone Ocean with just one fashion reference. At least we have one. That's good. Yeah. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And yes, we have one. It's a great one. It is White Snake trying to shoot the pigeon. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous, so over the top. Some people call it the best panel in all of Stone Ocean because White Snake has a fucking gun and he's trying <laughs> to shoot a fucking pigeon that is flying away. Like, just how absurd is that? We'll drop the meme in the discords so that you guys can see it if you haven't seen it already. But this is a pretty big one for Stone Ocean. So, yes, we have finally arrived at White Snake trying to shoot the fucking pigeon. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that old Nintendo game, Duck Hunt, where you had the um, gun accessory that you could plug into the console while you're playing. Oh, yeah. And you try to shoot the thing. I don't know how that worked. But, yeah, I think it's just as absurd. Like, I don't know why I picture White Snake playing Duck Hunt in this moment. <laughs> oh, White Snake. Um, I have a lot of questions about White Snake in this episode. But before we get there, let's talk about the OP because, holy shit, we're already getting sound effects. And yeah. you know what that means. Every time we get a sound effect track on top of an OP, that means it's going to change. 
Yeah, so this is probably the last time we will be listening and watching this OP, which I think the song is titled, yeah, Stone Ocean, um, by Ichigo from the band Kishira Kyodan and the Akeboshi Rockets. Um, So definitely have to cherish this last outing. It just feels fast, doesn't it? Like after the sound effects? No, I mean, just like after 12 episodes, we're already switching to a new OP potentially. Yeah, but I kind of saw it coming because the OP here, it it directly references all the episodes that we've seen so far. True, that's true. Yeah, where you had the um, the Foo Fighters fake, or like the prisoners under her control, um, the whole catch ball scene with uh, Marilyn Manson, and I forgot that, uh, Mirashon, right? That was the stand user's name. Um, and I think even here, uh, there might have been a fleeting reference to the courtyard. Maybe not. Um, and, and the, you know, the cum room. <laughs> with <Joe> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think this OP only referenced everything that happened in this part. So it seemed pretty obvious that they were going to move into a newer OP for part two. That's true. So I think the speculation is that total we're going to get at least three OPs, which hasn't happens since part four three and, ops yeah and part four is the only one that has three ops are you speculating that there'll be three parts to stone ocean there's gotta be there's no way they can wrap up the story in 12 episodes and i hope they mm. won't even try holy shit that makes me nervous to think that they're if they would try to wrap up the rest of stone ocean in 12 episodes there's yeah no way because i remember what was it part five having about like 39 or 40 episodes. Yeah, that's Although a, that only had two OPs. Well, the second OP had a lot of variations, but. Yeah, a lot of people are speculating probably somewhere in the 30s in terms of episode count for Stone Ocean. But yeah, I mean, that means we have to have at least three OPs, right? I mean, mm. that's going to be interesting. Um, but I think Chase from part four was a short-lived OP. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do. I was enjoying this one. Um, it's just it's a little bit of a shame that we're already switching out. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe we're not switching out. Maybe they're just going to keep the OP going for nah. the next step. But well, like this is this is a a common thing in JoJo. Like JoJo fans know when you get an OP with sound effects over it, that OP is going away after, starting with the next episode. And plus, we already know that Anasui is yet to come in part two, but they only make a a one cameo i think in this op yeah in the in in like emporio's room with the piano yeah so i'm sure that they will incorporate anasui more um heading into the second part well with a change in op usually means there's a change in ed what's the likelihood we're gonna get jolene by dolly parton or even Mm. evanescence like you thought a while back yeah i'm still holding on to uh, hope that the hues bring me to life. Can you even imagine? That would be the greatest ED of all time. I mean, it seems like it's going to head into like a, a balls to the walls part um, for part two. So why not have an epic song to match that energy? I have to ask really quick, since this is probably the last time we'll see this uh, this ED with uh, the Duffy song. Do you like this ED visually? Not, not song-wise, but just thinking about visuals. Do you prefer... The Stone Ocean ED, or do you prefer the first ED from Part Five, the freaking you one? Again, song mm. aside, don't think about the song, just about the visuals. 
the visuals for part five ed it was just the characters yeah just right? like panning across the screen and then like a black and blue background mm, i don't know i i think i would like i prefer this ed like i know it doesn't show anything related to joe this could have been an ed for any anime um but something about it, it grew on me i think it's just because it's so soothing and calming um with just shots of the ocean and I guess that's your tie-in with it being Stone Ocean. I just wish that there was something in the visuals that makes it distinctly JoJo. Like, I, I think we talked about having some of the characters that appear in this part, you know, like standing beachside or wading through the waves as they're crashing onto the beach. Because, um, yeah, like, I know that certain jojo eds have only shown like flashes of characters i'm thinking back to part one and two um but there was always something interesting in the background like with part one and two you had shots of like the kind of like the carvings that evoked like the pillarman carvings if i'm remembering right from part five the first ed it was just like wallpaper backgrounds yeah it was like a uh, static background yeah so, again, this ED doesn't scream JoJo, but I still liked it. And plus, it didn't really spoil anything. I completely agree with all of those points. I love it because it doesn't spoil anything. Um, I prefer it over the, visually, I prefer it over the part five first ED. Freaking is a great song. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm. I fucking love that song. I love that that's a JoJo ending. Like, that was fantastic. Um, but visually, I feel like the part five ED is just... It's just a static image with another static image of the Joe, the Jojo characters just panning across the screen. Nothing about that's really exciting. There's something about this one with um, Stone Ocean's ED that looks just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The way it's animated is gorgeous. The colors, the the art style, like it's beautiful, and all it is is just a beach scene, as you said. I agree, though. I think it would have been nice to have some sort of reference to Jolene or Jojo in general, even if it's just, I don't know, like her walking down the beach or even just a shot of her feet like walking in the sand just anything um so it feels a little hollow in that sense that there is no specific reference to jojo in it but i still find it more entertaining to watch than the part five ed now song wise the duffy song is a great song but i would definitely choose freaking you (laughs) (laughs) every single time i think it's such a good song um but i just wanted to ask that because i think um this is a very interesting choice for ed and i'm curious to know what they're going to do with the next one yeah, I'm also looking at um, the landing page for the artist Duffy on Spotify. Um, Distant Dreamer is currently at number five in Duffy's most popular songs, I guess, streamed. I don't know if it had even cracked this list prior to Stone Ocean airing, but I'd like to think that it's at least in the top five because you know, JoJo fans probably flock to this after watching Stone Ocean. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm curious myself to know where it was at prior to Stone Ocean coming out. Because a lot of the, or the top four songs, they all have streaming listens. And like the top one, Mercy, is like 200,000. And from there, the second one has 100, sorry, not 1,000, 207 million. Second one has 119 million. Third one, 22 million. Fourth one, 10 million. And then Distant Dreamer has 5 million so i think 
it probably just shot up in popularity after this anime was released. And I imagine if you go to the YouTube page for that song, that the comments are just going to be full of JoJo yeah. fans now. <laughs> like with uh, Roundabout by Yes. And Everyone every other point, ED song. Yeah, I think they disabled comments on uh, Roundabout Oh, YouTube boo. <laughs> come <video>. on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the actual episode because... Hold on. I just want to oh, mention oh, oh. it was nice hearing the... The web thwips and the lasso sounds for Jolene's thread in this OP. That, yeah, I agree. I think it was nice. It, it just goes back to how great David production is with sound design. It just sounds so satisfying. Yeah. And plus you hear Lang Wrangler's reverse fart one more time. So I thought that was... And Emporio's regular fart. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit muffled, but you can hear it if you if you listen carefully. Yeah. So those are my final two cents on the, the sound OP. <laughs> well, now moving into the actual episode. Um, I, I mentioned this in our previous episode, but to me, it is so fucking interesting that the villain and the protagonist meet in the way that they are meeting because Jolene has no fucking idea that he is the big baddie and Poochie is compelled to behave a certain way as to not set off any red flags for Jolene. It's just, it's so mundane, so accidental, so just like unexpected because, you know, think about every other Jojo meeting their villain or just an anime in general, like a protagonist meeting their villain. It's so over the top. It's so grand. The villain's like all up in your face and the, the protagonist is like, you're a horrible person, blah, blah, blah. But here it's just like, oh, hi, father. I was, just, I just need to go to the courtyard. Like, can you just let me go to the courtyard? I swear I'll be back in one minute. And then he's like, well, I don't know because you're not supposed to be here. And that's, that's literally their interaction. That's crazy mm. to me. I just love it so much. Yeah, it's very nonchalant on the surface because I think both both parties, like, they're not aware that they are each other's enemies. Well, Poochie knows. He just I can't. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's he true. He has to be, you know, he has to be very priestly. Yeah, so you you just get this barrage of their inner thoughts as they're trying to navigate this, I guess, awkward situation. It just kind of reminds me of uh, Death Note um, without giving too much spoilers, um, the interaction between light and l oh yeah that was also a really good unexpected yeah kind of like where thing you're, you're like you're not sure how their interactions are going to go and whether it'll either reveal one of their true true intentions to the other and that's what you get here with poochie and with jolene yeah, it's great. And and Jolene has this inner monologue, this inner battle, really, where she's wondering what she should do. And I think she says something along the lines of, like, it would be easy to beat him unconscious. That's nothing compared to my father's life. And I'm like, let's go. Let's go. She constantly is saying that she'll do anything, even beat a priest, an innocent <laughs> priest unconscious just to save her father's life. Which, hey, like, that's a small consequence to get that disc over to the Speedwagon Foundation. Yeah, but I think it's the matter of, that Poochie is a priest that's holding that her back. <laughs> in her eyes, he's an innocent civilian. Right. Like, he's not a prison guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, Little I mean, does she know. I know. That's probably why she's hesitating for the most part. And then she even says, like, hitting him is nothing. But then she's like, well, he's a priest, so I can't I can't and shouldn't do that. <laughs> but then she kind of uses his occupation as a priest to, to plead her case. Because um, I, I don't think she directly mentions like having to deliver the discs, but she has to go to the courtyard to save her father's life. And she says, like, a man of God should understand. When, again, like, we as the audience know 
that Pucci is far from a perfect man of God. Yeah, and I love that she does that too because, again, here we have Pucci behaving a certain way, behaving priestly so as not to alert Jolene to the fact that he could be a bad guy. But then, you know, he's thinking he's using it to his advantage, but then she actually uses it to her advantage too in that exact moment. And I find it interesting when Pucci is talking, you know, giving his like monologue about unconditional love he says like unconditional love is a reward to go to heaven or something along those lines yeah um and we find out later that that stems from his teachings um from dio you know during his interactions with dio but i also kind of think that maybe from jolene's perspective she's it's like almost him acknowledging that she has unconditional love for her father and he's almost kind of like I don't know, like maybe because she doesn't know what he's he's ultimately talking about. Maybe he, she's almost thinking like, oh, this priest is on my side because he sees how much I care about my father. But we all know that's not what he means when he says all of this. I kind of interpreted it differently because the quote I wrote from Pucci here is that he says there is no such thing as unconditional love because unconditional love is a reward to go to heaven. So I, I think what he's saying is that no one on earth has the ability to experience or give unconditional love um, because to do so in his his eyes is is a way to again enter heaven um, without any sort of <laughs> without any sort of condition um, <laughs> okay that makes sense i must have missed that first part because i was furiously taking notes yeah. but so, no, thank, thank you for clarifying that yeah and i think that's what he's trying to do here by allowing jolene to head to the courtyard because he's allowing her to go I wouldn't say okay never mind I was going to say without any condition but he does tell her to to do whatever she has to do in the courtyard for only a minute so I guess there yeah. is a condition here but I think he, he wants to evoke the sense of righteousness in allowing her to pass yeah well she passes and then she goes to the courtyard and then the guard asks her a question and doesn't even let her respond. And he shoots her twice in the stomach. And when I first watched <laughs> this, I was like, holy shit. But then I realized immediately after that, you know, when they show us the disc and his guard uniform, um, that it's uh, one of Pucci's guys. But my big question here, or more so what I'm surprised by, is that Stone Free didn't stop those bullets. Mm. Now, I know we've seen Stone Free stop a bullet during the acid room dream sequence, but that was probably because it was a dream sequence. It wasn't real. So, but there are other times where, like, they she got shot, like when John Gallier was chasing them um, and he started shooting, like, Stone Free was able to knock back most of those bullets on, the, on par with, uh, with Star Platinum. Do you think it's because... Jolene was just caught off guard by that guard <laughs> that she wasn't fully prepared to let Stone Free manifest. Maybe, but by that same logic, there have been times where Star Platinum acts almost, you know, outside of Jotaro's conscience. Like, conscious. Con- conscious? Sorry. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. Mm. Like, he just immediately reacts. Even when Jotaro doesn't have time to react in order to save him. Specifically when it comes to bullets. He's done that before, I think. Are you referring back to the intro to part three? The first episode where Jotaro shoots the bullet at his head? That, but then I think there's also another instance. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong because it's been a while since I've seen part three. Yeah. 
I'm just thinking back in that instance because Jotaro was anticipating the bullet that that's why Star Platinum intervened, and that like again comparing it to here where it's just so sudden that the guard shoots at Jolene. True. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Plus, I don't think Jolene's skills are at the same level as Jotaro because he's much older. He's had a mm. lot more experience with his stand, and she's only had her stand for like a few days, technically, <laughs> maybe like you know, a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, I thought at first it was surprising, but I think what, what you shared makes sense. Then we move into the flashback, the big flashback. Dio is back, motherfuckers. I mean, not really, but like he kind of is back. <laughs> part six Dio. Yeah, part six back. Dio. <laughs> and I find it weird that Pucci calls him Dio Brando. I'm like, who the fuck still calls him Dio Brando? He basically abandoned the last name when he threw away his humanity, Jojo. I'm throwing away my humanity, <laughs> Jojo. <laughs> so I'm, I was surprised that Pucci said Dio Brando because I figured when he became the vampire, he became Dio versus the human Dio was he, Dio Brando. Yeah, I didn't even catch that he referred to him by last name um, unless Dio was just working under the guise of him still being human um, in his interaction with Pucci. Yeah, I don't know. It was just weird to me. Kind of threw me off guard because usually it's Dio and usually it's in all caps too. Yeah, um, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because they were close friends. Who knows? But and we. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, my question was: Does this take place before Stardust Crusader? Since it's 1988. Yes. Okay. My second question is: Where does this conversation take place? Not in Egypt. Okay. So how would Dio have met with Pucci? Dio traveled the world, I think. Oh, after he was... And he landed in Egypt to try and hide from... Well, he was in Egypt for a while. But before that, I think he was traveling the world. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. If I'm wrong, someone tell me. But I'm pretty sure there it was dropped at some point in part three, like in a brief mention that Dio had some world traveling or saw some things. I don't know. And then okay. he landed in Egypt and stayed there. Okay. Because I was trying to determine this from some of the background shots all i saw were like palm trees um uh, so my guess was that they were still in florida probably where pucci was studying for the priesthood or if you know pucci had a sabbatical to egypt for some reason i don't remember if it's florida but it's likely okay i'll, st I'll stop there because there's okay. if i if i say any more yeah, I, th I feel like we'll we'll get more answers in the next batch of episodes. I'll leave it at that. Okay. But um, we do also get a shot of part six, part three Jotaro because it's part three Jotaro, but in part six art style. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there's like how many variants of Jotaro now? Like I feel like there's a, a million of them. You've got yeah. part three. Part, part two. T oh, yeah. Well. Part two, part three, part four, part five, part six. And now you've got part six, part three. <laughs> Do they show? Oh no! And then I thought they also showed part five Jotaro in the flashback when Polnareff comes out. So there's part five, part three. Yeah. Because he's really skinny. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. So that's seven different variants of Jotaro, right? Yeah. Although I think this one is more closer to his part three, his actual part three appearance, I, at least in like appearance and stature. Yeah, he's he's more built in this yeah. one versus part five. So you you've got seven variants of Jotaro. You could probably add more if you wanted to put like his high school picture <laughs> where his hat was whole, um, all the memories that Holly has. I mean, Jolto is just like all up in this bitch. Someone should uh, make a, a 
drawing of that like spider-man meme where they're all pointing at each other <laughs> but just put all the variants of jotaro in it yep oh would, my god <laughs> i would love to like put that as like a as an art piece on our wall somewhere <laughs> um Pucci does reveal in this flashback sequence that um the reason as to why he wants jotaro's memory disc it's to see the contents of dio's notebook and in the conversation that he has with dio dio says that true happiness lies in heaven if you can reach it so it's it's just kind of like a unique concept because Pucci believes it seems like what he is doing is actually righteous. Like having true happiness is something that mm. everyone you know aspires toward. Everyone wants to uh, you know attain. Here he's actually trying to take the steps toward reaching true happiness and going to heaven. So it just kind of he's going to be one of those villains who feels very strongly about what he's doing because he feels that what he's doing is the right thing versus Dio who just wanted power, right? Yeah. Like Dio just wanted power and to rule the world. Like there's nothing righteous about what Dio was doing. Um, same with Kira. Like there was nothing righteous about what Kira was doing. Although you could argue that living a quiet life is like a fine thing to want, but like not in the way he wanted yeah, it, right? because <laughs> his quiet life was demented. So here you have Pucci who kind of flips the script where he feels that what he's doing is correct. So at this in the at this point in the story at least we don't know if Pucci knows that Dio is really like an undead vampire. Um yeah, I wouldn't say it's clear. Okay. Um how much Pucci knows about Dio. I honestly yeah. don't know much about like the interactions, so I'm trying I'm trying not to think too hard back to it just cuz I don't want to remember. I want it to all be as fresh as possible. Yeah, but it's just interesting that Dio as he has done in the past, is corrupting a, a, a very, well, again, we presume to be a righteous person. Um, and in your case, he just wants a direct path to heaven, which is in line with his line of work as a priest. Um, so that's interesting that you bring up that he, Pucci is doing this for a righteous thing, but the means aren't justifying the ends. It kind of reminds me of that. I, we've brought this up a lot in the past, um, when Adam Driver is describing Kylo Ren's motives um, in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Like, Kylo Ren doesn't see himself as a villain. He just thinks that what he is doing is right. And he's, like, he may have nefarious means, but it always justifies this end. And that's the same thing that you see here with Pucci. Yeah, and one thing I really appreciate about this whole flashback sequence is that when Pucci starts talking about how Jotaro um, burned the notebook, it's playing Jotaro's theme mm -hmm. in like a very dark way. And then it transitions to Pucci's theme as it kind of goes back to Pucci in present day. And I love that transition because both are very dark but both and, and are very ominous. But one, knowing what we know about these characters, has sort of like an uplifting feeling. And one is like, you know, dread because it's Pucci. <laughs> yeah, obviously Jotaro's theme is more like, don't fuck around with this guy. <laughs> and then Pucci's is like, you're going, going to, to hell. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to heaven, but you're going to hell. Um, there is a very brief reference to part one in this flashback before we move on. And that's with the wine that Dio is drinking. Oh, shit. It's, uh, the wine is called Mezzanotti Topo. And this is the same wine that Zeppeli was drinking in his uh, introductory episode. Oh, shit. I wonder if it's like that in the manga. 
Or if it's a David production thing. Might be a David production. Because David David production loves to sneak in those like nods to different JoJo parts. That's really cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't catch the. I don't know if the year was like, um, whatever, like the eighteen eighties or whatever when part one took place. Um, so I don't know how far back this wine has aged. I did note that it said made in Japan, so <laughs> it's not a true Italian wine. Uh, but again, a nice wink and a nod to part one here. And I think in the credits up until this point, Dio's um, character credit has been just uh, question marks. Mm. And then after this episode, they actually do write in Dio and then his voice actor whose name escapes me because I'm always bad with names and titles. I'm going to look it up right now. Takehito Koyasu. Yes, that badass. He's a great voice actor. So yeah, it was just funny because every time we watch the credits, I'm like, what are those question marks? And then at the end, after this episode, it showed Dio. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. They were just trying not to spoil for everybody, which is which is nice. So back in present day, we have Weather Report, who is once again being a real one because he is so concerned about Jolene getting shot. He's freaking out. And he yet again saves Jolene by making it rain poisonous frogs. Um, he mm-hmm. says, Jolene, I may not be able to protect you, but I can protect the disc if you have the conviction you can find a way out or something along those lines. I don't think that's a, a verbatim quote. Um, so he acknowledges that this method could still kill Jolene, but it honestly ended up saving her because she would have been shot in the head otherwise. Like that, that guard was about to pop her in the head. <laughs> um, so another situation similar to the fight with Lang Wrangler where Jolene would have died without weather report. And I think... The narrator mentions that these frogs could have come from Central or South America. I'm just wondering how Weather Report was able to whip those up so quickly from such a distance from Florida. I wonder if it just, well, yeah, because he he doesn't say he creates weather. He manipulates weather. Mm -hmm. So he's just using the air in the room or the air in that space. So, yeah, that would have been. Is his stand like, is it a distance stand? I mean, it has to be. That's a pretty far distance from yeah. Florida to like Central America. Because some stands have really long ranges. It's just the power is lower. The mm. farther out you get, the lower the power is, I believe. Um, that's yeah. why a lot of short range stands like Stone Free, Star Platinum, um, Crazy Diamond, those are powerful ones because they can't go more than like five meters. Okay. I guess regardless, he was able to once again save Jolene in the 11th hour. There's a tie-in with Egypt here. I, th- I mentioned this in the synopsis that uh, raining frogs is one of the plagues that Moses imparted on the Egyptian people in the Bible. And it ties into Pucci, who's a priest. Yeah. Who so, I would hope is familiar <laughs> with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, a, a biblical reference here. And I, there is one other one that I kind of connected um, later on. So I'll, I can share that later. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, I, again, I, I love this episode because it's focused on Poochie, but it's a very unique situation for Poochie. I just love seeing the main villain who up until this point has had everything figured out and everything go according to plan actually be helpless in this situation. Like this was very much Yoshikage Kira vibes. Like I, I think Poochie... I think the reason I like him so much is because he's unique like Kira, but in a different way. Um, 
because you you see Kira constantly in situations where he actually does not have the upper hand, and you can tell he's very inexperienced with all of this because all he's ever done is lived a quiet life and kill women, basically. <laughs> um, and here, Pucci, I think, has probably more experience than Kira ever did, but mm-hmm. he's not a guy that's got it all together. Like he he doesn't have full confidence all the time. Like you can tell he's sweating bullets in this this moment because he's trying not to be poisoned by these frogs. I think the one thing that kind of makes Pucci quirky, like Kira, is that he's using prime numbers in order to calm down. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's the last thing I would think of to make me calm down in a moment. Like, I would just take deep breaths or whatever. But here it's prime numbers, um, which, if I remember my grade school math correctly, are that they're numbers that are only divisible by one and themselves. I think that's what Pucci says in this episode too, right? Yeah, and I don't know how he can keep track of those. I would never be able to. (laughs) Yeah, I I was trying to think, like, why would he want to choose prime numbers? But I guess since they're not divisible, you could kind of consider them dominant numbers, right? To kind of feed into, like, his ego, again, of him having this righteous or holier-than-thou occupation. I never thought about that. And I was actually wondering what the tie-in, like why why did Iraqi choose prime numbers for Pucci? Why even choose this method of calming down in the first place? Like why not just yeah. have him think rationally when he's kind of, you know, pushed into a corner? Yeah, it's sort of like he, like as with these numbers that aren't divisible by any other number, um, like you're, you're kind of looking down at numbers that are divisible, kind of like how he looks down at like like the sinners across the world and seeing that he is in the prime, like he is primed to be received warmly into heaven. Yeah. I I wonder if they'll touch on this. I, I genuinely don't remember if in the manga they say anything or if, if they touch on his prime number quirk at all. I think it does come up again, but I don't know if they actually talk about like why he does it. Um, but speaking of Iraqi making some interesting choices, can we talk about how interesting it is that Iraqi is having like a whole climax take place while it's raining frogs? Like that's I get, I get the biblical references and like the biblical tie-in, but also like if you were to hear that from any other mangaka, like oh the climax of this arc is raining poisonous frogs, people be like <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like what is this? But again, it's, it's JoJo's bizarre adventure. It's bizarre. And it's not a rare phenomenon. Um, there have been cases where it's rained frogs. I think I was reading, um, since the narrator mentioned it, the last known occurrence of this was in 2018. In, oh, shit. In Hungary, though. So across the world. That's so weird. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's just feeding into the bizarre aspect of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but it's not entirely out of the ordinary yeah well it's kind of like the baseball or the catch episode where it's like that's such a common thing it's such a mundane thing but iraqi makes it so incredibly like intense and yeah i don't know it's fun and he makes this fun for some reason he makes raining poisonous frogs like fun to watch and after the frogs have stopped raining down you get um barf cg white snake flies out like i just that took me out of the episode immediately oh i thought you said barf like white snake barf oh no, or no i meant like barf the, the comma it's yeah. cg white snake and then they kind of transition between that and um 2d every was, every other shot it was just yucky like i know there were cg frogs and like 
I, I can understand that because it's a lot of fucking frogs to animate. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're on a tight schedule given that they're even using CG. But man, like White Snake CG is just nasty every time I see it. I, I don't like it. It's it's not good. I also still don't know if White Snake is sentient because Poochie's like talking to it. He's commanding it, but they never actually have like a full blown conversation. So I don't know if he's just commanding it because he can. And then like it's him talking through White Snake. I, I don't know. Like I need I need to see Poochie and White Snake have a conversation to feel confident that White Snake is sentient, like Sex Pistols and Mista, because they actually do talk to each other. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's kind of like um, Pinocchio talking to Jiminy Cricket. Like <laughs> uh, White Snake is sort of Poochie's conscience, and so it's like two separate, two separate characters in that sense. Yeah, I could see that. Um, well, he makes his way, White Snake makes his way out to the courtyard. Jolene says that she made a net of living frogs to protect her from the exploding frogs. One question with the frogs. So we see earlier that the guard that uh, Pucci was controlling, um, he was able to get out of the courtyard and make it all the way back to Pucci, but like his face was puffed up with poison. Pucci mentions... I think before that happens is that the frogs can affect like the blood and respiratory system within seconds. Doesn't that mean the guard would have died within seconds? Maybe, or maybe him being all bloated and red is the the effect of having his respiratory and blood be affected. Uh, or maybe he should have died in seconds, but this is JoJo we're talking right. about where a 20-minute segment can last <laughs> a whole three episodes. So maybe it's JoJo logic. I don't know. Yeah, so the guard walked over from the courtyard to Poochie's location in three seconds. Yeah, And that's basically. what happened here. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Oh, so the pigeon. Yeah, the pigeon. We, we talked about that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Speedwagon Foundation is really out here relying on trained pigeons to help rescue Jotaro. Dr. Professor Jotaro Kujo, <laughs> marine biologist extraordinaire, is being um, saved by a pigeon. But at the same time, it's kind of brilliant, I have to say, because mm-hmm. obviously the the villains are going to be looking out for, and, and the guards too are going to be looking out for something suspicious. Yeah, What's le- like less suspicious than a fucking pigeon in Florida, right? Right. And there's just something so so simple about it like yeah with it not being something so technologically advanced it's just like it's just a fucking bird yeah <laughs> it just takes the disc but i think it, it's still it's still brilliant it's brilliant but super risky right like there's just so much that could go wrong with this pigeon like getting shot by white snake but it doesn't because you know white snake sucks at duck hunt yeah <laughs> this is actually the other part where i was thinking of this is a stretch but it's just me thinking of like a biblical reference in this scene. And it's with the story of Noah's Ark. What the fuck? <laughs> Where in that Bible story, you have Noah's Ark traveling through like floods and like there's this like period of rain. And there's, there's frogs raining in this episode, right? Um, and I think after the rain subsides, Noah sends out a dove to find land. And here you have a pigeon. Oh, um, I think here, like the 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 dove was supposed to represent again finding land, but also finding hope for um, the the um, passengers and the animals on Noah's Ark. Here, it's it's the the carrier pigeon representing hope for Jolene, 
that they are one step closer to saving Jotaro's life. I could so. see that. But also, okay, one big question just popped into my head. So I was thinking about how White Snake is holding that gun, right? So to any mm -hmm. non-stand user, it would be a floating gun. To that pigeon, <laughs> it's a floating gun. However, the discs that White Snake creates, that's technically part of the stand. How is the pigeon able to see and hold on to? Well, I know it doesn't hold on to, but like you know, it's able to basically acknowledge the discs. How is anyone? outside of stand users able to like how are any non-stand users able to acknowledge the disc when the disc is a literal manifestation of a stand oh that's true is this a plot hole did i just discover a that huge plot actually, hole in stone ocean <laughs> it might be a plot hole because because i like, don't think savage guard the pigeon itself is a stand user it's, yeah that's just the name of the pigeon yeah and no one at the speedwagon foundation are stand users except for probably jotaro so you have, like, I can see Hermes, Foo Fighters, Emporio, um, Lang Wrangler. Like, everyone else, it has made sense that they are able to see the discs and hang on to the discs. Because even if they're temporarily stand users, because Pucci gave them a stand using the discs, they are still technically in that moment stand users. Um, there so is... Um the Savage Garden has a chain attached to it. So I don't know if it's, like, that chain has been manipulated to handle objects affected by stands. But then how do they get the disc into Jotaro if they can't see or handle it? Yeah. Like, unless there are some stand users that work at the Speedwagon Foundation, which is not a not on, like... Uh, Unheard of. Yeah, that, like, that wouldn't be surprising. In fact, it would probably make a lot of sense that there's some stand users that work at the Speedwagon Foundation. But mm. I'm just like, How? Or like the, oh, well, I guess the guard in the courtyard was being manipulated by a disc. So maybe at that mm -hmm. point he could see it. But yeah, like I have questions about this disc. I don't understand. <laughs> well, you know what the t uh, typical answer is to any of these questions. Oh, Rocky forgot. Right. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But speaking of stands and non-stand users, White Snake hears the guards coming over to the courtyard and he panics and needs to run away, like escaping from the guards. And I'm thinking, why you, why you have to run away? You're a stand. They can't see you. Yeah, just, are you there? That too, I was going to say, you could just fizzle out. He like floated <laughs> away back to Poochie. And I'm like, why? You could just kill Jolene. No one's going to see you anyway, right? Unless they just see the floating gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could punch her, but then her body would be flailing around and they wouldn't know why. But at that point, who cares, right? Like, it could just be her convulsing. Right. I don't know. I just I think that was a meme that went around on uh, Ship Post Crusaders subreddit. They were like, "Why is Poochie or why is White Snake freaking out about being seen when he's a stand and these non-stand users can't even see him?" Also, has he always been able to float like that? He just like floats from Poochie like two, three stories up down to Jolene and then back up again. Has he always been able to float? I don't know. And like, I would why figure, like stands? They just have that innate ability true star platinum can technically float yeah yeah okay that makes sense yeah he could float i'm fine with that um but then we get that cliffhanger ending sort of where the disc flies off and they show us the picture of jotaro's face in the sky which they only do when someone dies by the way i found it was so <laughs> weird that they they chose to do that i think it's in the manga yeah. too but i was like they usually only have people's faces in the sky when they die <laughs> yeah it kind of looks like the picture they would use at Jotaro's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, we saw the picture of like Bucerati flying away. Or like mm -hmm. in part three, you have like Avdol and Iggy. And, and Kakyoin. And Kakyoin. 
So I was like, what? That's weird that they chose to do that. Like, why not just show us Jotaro back in that iron lung again? Yeah, I don't like this imagery for obvious <laughs> reasons. Well, it's okay. The I mean, technically, he's like half dead, so maybe it still works, but he'll get the, the stand disc, assume presumably, and then that'll be great. I don't so know. We don't know where the memory disc is currently being held. Uh, I don't think so, no. So it, it's still in Poochie's possession? It seems like it, yeah. Because he's like, well, I have this the memory disc, and that's the one that's important. Okay. So, yeah. Then we get the credits, and then we get the post-credits scene, and it's Sports Max and Dio's bone. Where the fuck did he get this bone? I um, thought Dio disintegrated, right, at the end of part three. Like, Jotaro brought his body into the Egyptian sun yes or like in the sun on the egyptian plains <laughs> yes okay you'll find you gotta, out yeah, okay. <laughs> you'll find out <laughs> i'm gonna just cut it there um i guess i can just say it's similar to how emporio had his mother's bone but his mom rotted away yeah because she but had it her just stand and soul evoked that same imagery for me yeah bones are a thing in stone ocean i guess um yeah, I don't know what else to make of this scene because it just cuts off. Um, I mean, Sport Max, we only get a fleeting shot of him. I just noticed he has, like, commas all over his suit. So interesting fashion choice there. Yeah, I don't really remember a lot about Sports Max. I just know, like, the key things about his importance to the story. So I can't comment on his suit. I don't know. Like, yeah, it looked weird. It kind of reminded me of, like, a variant of – I like that word re- – lately variant it's like a <laughs> another type of john gallier suit mm, okay and i'm looking at a image of sports max um in the anime even his eyebrows look like commas it's just so oh yeah weird. they do <laughs> but yeah i guess we'll, we'll find out more about him in part two whenever that's supposed to drop let's and, hope soon you'll hear it yeah. here first everyone as soon as we find out we we will let you know but i have a feeling it's not going to be till end of march when that event happens but for now let us conclude part one of stone ocean with our final thoughts for part six episode 12 torrential downpour warning so did you have any bones to pick with this episode or was it a torrential downpour of jojo goodness um, I would say my, if I'm taking your, your question literally, my only bone to pick is that Jolene was like barely in this climactic episode. This was all about mm. Poochie, but on the flip side, I kind of liked that it was all about Poochie because it put him in a very unique situation where he had to try and figure shit out all on his own. Um, I mean, Jolene accomplishes her goal of getting the disc to uh, Savage Garden so it can be delivered to Jotaro. That's great and all, but I think after all everything that she's gone through the past three two three episodes to get to this point it felt a little bit lackluster that all she did was get shot in the stomach lay on the ground protect herself from frogs and then throw the disc up in the air like i feel like there should have been more to her triumphant accomplishment here Mm -hmm. but it was fine she did what she needed to do she stayed alive and the disc is on its way to the speedwagon foundation but what about you yeah, I would say after Monkey Man's and a so-and-so arc for me, this was a little more satisfying, and I think it was a pretty tense finale to part one for Stone Ocean, although I can see your point, like, not much happens in, in the way of, like, what Jolene does in this episode, uh, but I think it was enough from her and from Pucci just to keep 
me at the edge of my seat to see if she does succeed in delivering the disc to the Speedwagon Foundation. Um, it was interesting to get more insight into why Pucci is so hell-bent on uh, securing Jotaro's disc. And I think this is kind of seamlessly interwoven, uh, no stone-free pun intended, with the legacy of the one character who has been a thorn in the Joestar family side since day one, and that, of course, is Dio. So looking to the future, I can't wait to see how Stone Ocean kind of ties in this feud that has spanned decades with Jolene's journey and if this grudge with Dio can be put to rest once and for all. Um, until then, I think I'm just going to continue to pray for the soul of Daddy Jotaro Kujo and for his speedy wagon recovery. You know what's funny is um, a lot of us were spoiled on Twitter about Dio's yeah. quote-unquote return because of that kid who supposedly logged into his dad's netflix (laughs) account because he works at netflix and then posted like screenshots um and videos of the first 12 episodes and one of those was torrential downpour warning where we got confirmation that of what poochie looked like because by at that point we hadn't seen his character design Mm -hmm. um and then we also got a screenshot of dio in the chair with like his eyes kind of shadowed out so we were like well I mean, manga readers knew, but then anime-only people were spoiled that Dio does have some play in, in Stone Ocean. Yeah, I forgot about that that dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he probably got the ass-whooping of a year. Yeah, so I'm sure Netflix is keeping an even tighter lip with part two. Just <laughs> They're probably like, sir, you are off. if we haven't fired you, you're at least off the project. We cannot trust <laughs> you anymore. <laughs> they got to just follow like Marvel's like the MCU's way of keeping tight lips about their projects. However they do that. I guess my one question before we wrap up is I know we haven't seen the part in its or part 6 in its entirety, but do you have any overall thoughts about part 1 of Stone Ocean? Um I think it's off to a fantastic start. I would say Animation-wise, a little bit iffy there. There are some shots and some episodes where I'm like, oof, this does not look up to David Productions' normal JoJo quality. But I think, as we've, I think we've talked about before, um, I think David Production is falling victim to some of these tight deadlines that we see all the time in anime. Um, I think that's also why they're leaning on CG at this point because they need to offset some of these these pressures that they're under. I hope that that does not continue with the rest of the episodes and I'm sure they'll go back for like the Blu-rays and clean up a lot of those frames and whatnot. But I just like hate that we have to sit through it once in the first place versus just getting a really great quality product through and through from the beginning that we normally get from David production. So like production wise, I have some hesitations there, but story wise and the adaptation itself, I think they're doing a fantastic job. Okay. I have... I think we we both shared and kind of beat the dead horse about the production qualities, and I, I share some of the same qualms that you have. Um, but I, again, nonetheless, David Production has always done a fantastic job with JoJo, and it's the same case here, save for like a couple weird shots, and of course the CGI with White Snake, and especially with Monkey Man, that that shit was just really annoying to me. Um, and I guess for me. Again, I I got to reserve full judgment um, once we see the entirety of part six at the ultimate conclusion. 
but I think I can kind of quote Dio in summing up my thoughts for part one and saying that I'm satisfied. <laughs> I've seen enough. I'm satisfied. And I think it's because I feel like Stone Ocean right now doesn't have the same epic feeling that previous parts like Golden Wind or Stardust Crusaders had. Although I feel like with Golden Wind, it, it really picked up after they brought Trish to the boss. Um, oh, yeah. And so that's where I think like maybe Stone Ocean is going to be the same way where things get kicked into full gear once we get past this initial part. That's similar to part four because I, I feel like things get kicked into high gear when they introduce yeah. Kira. Yeah. Um, so I guess this first part, it, it it's good at laying the base. And I think Jolene is still interesting and compelling enough of a JoJo protagonist to, to keep me invested in the story. And it's not just because she is Jotaro's daughter. Um, I think she she can definitely hold her own in this prison world and against all of these different stand enemies and especially against Pucci now that he's starting to become a bigger part of her picture. Uh, so, yeah, part one I would say was pretty good and I'm hoping part two, part three will be greater part one part two part three of part six yes (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i don't know what's going on with netflix's release schedule but you know we have caught up to the first 12 episodes we will still be here each and every week throughout the stone ocean run um so we're gonna fill the the time here over the next couple of weeks with some discussion episodes we've got some things that we have been working on um some fun topics i think that are due to be discussed here on strictly jojo because Frankly, we don't have that many opportunities to do discussion episodes, so I think this is a great chance to do that. Yeah, so we'll try to fill in our time with, again, just general JoJo discussions and questions um, until we can figure finally figure out when part two, or I guess even part three of Stone Ocean, whenever that gets released. So hopefully those will still be entertaining episodes for everyone to listen into. And I think what we'll try to do as well when we get to, um, you know, when we go back to our biweekly schedule and we start up with the part three review series, I'd like to take certain weeks where we actually also dedicate that to discussion episodes, maybe like, I don't know, every 10 episodes that we review of part three, we we plug in a discussion episode so we keep things fresh and kind of keep things, you know, with more, keep more variety going in Strictly JoJo. So we're constantly thinking about what kind of discussions we can have because there's a lot of fun topics out there when it comes to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But with that, thank you everyone for joining us on these first 12 episodes of Stone Ocean. We will let you know as soon as we find out more about the next batch of episodes. But for now, that wraps up episode 40 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday during the Stone Ocean Review series. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. Check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued.